When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, good morning, everybody. How's it going? Uh, welcome into the show. It is Thursday, and that means it's almost the end of the week, and it means that I am back off to the West Coast. My body is like, what the hell is going on? I legitimately was in the West Coast, or on the West Coast, came back to the East Coast, have not figured out my jet lag yet, and now I'm going back to the West Coast, to only come back to the East Coast a few days later. So I'm sure my body is going to be like very, very confused, but it's all good. I'm very excited. Um, it's always nice to get away for an extra little bit of time. So hope everyone else is having a fabulous day. Hope everyone had a wonderful Valentine's Day spending it with someone that they cared about. Or, like I said yesterday, maybe someone they don't care about, but at least had a nice day. Um, we've had a lot of things going on recently. Super Bowl Uh, We're looking ahead to several other exciting things, but I think it's important to recognize the people throughout all of these events who stay true to themselves no matter what's going on. Uh, Because we all know there are lots of people in this world that can be bought and paid for. Uh, Politicians, for example, (coughs) Joe Biden, Uh, CEOs, Uh, Mark Zuckerberg comes straight to mind, athletes, Travis Kelsey, for example. Uh, But then there are those that no matter what type of fame and fortune they can amass uh, from acting and doing all of the right things according to the mainstream, aka sometimes spewing lies, they just won't do it. And it's those types of people that I really believe that we often should be celebrating. Dana White comes to mind at the very top of that list. Uh, He does not give a damn what people think. Uh, He is committed to being ultra-authentic, and that is why he does not fall into traps or get baited by the mainstream media like so many other people do. So here's Dana White just last week when he jumped on the Pat McAfee show on Radio Row from Las Vegas. I really haven't been doing any media. I do podcasts, man. I'll do podcasts. I'll come hang with you. You know, lots of of people... Oh, sorry. Lots of people want to talk to you. Because you're not the media. Um, you know, you're not coming on podcasts and people that you want to have open discussions with. There's not any gotcha moments. There's no, there's no um, agendas. You know, there, there, there's no uh, clickbait. Okay. So you all heard Dana loud and clear. He only likes to do podcasts because there's no gotcha moments. So here's the interesting thing. Just a few days later, We have to ask the question, why did Dana White so abruptly get up from Howie Mandel's podcast after what seemed like such a glowing intro? Watch this. Only an amazing businessman. You are an inspiration. You are a philosopher. The way you do business, the way you uh, conduct your business and your friendships and media is uh, I'm, I'm jealous. And but Dana, I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you. For all the kind words, I appreciate it. I, I am so fucking tired of doing podcasts. It's I, I'm literally done with them. I'm not doing any more podcasts. All right, so that escalated very quickly. Interesting, right? And here I am just speculating. I don't know the facts of what happened and why it happened, but my speculation, maybe it's because Mandel is a hack of a podcast host. 
I'm not even really sure why he has a podcast in the first place, other than the fact that everybody and their mother has a podcast these days. And I have to be honest, I'm not sure why Dana's people even agreed to have him on this podcast in the first place, because they are pretty strict with where he gives his time. So I'm not sure why they even agreed to do this in the first place, even if they did see it as a beneficial opportunity for the UFC CEO. Because once I sat down, once he sat down, it seemed like right away how he was just completely buttering him up, completely kissing his ass. And I can only imagine the cringe that really set in for Dana White at that second. I mean, I feel like he could totally see right through it. And it occurred to me, and maybe I'm just reading into it too much now because I'm like, why did Dana White get up? Maybe how he was just a little bit condescending. It seemed like his tone was just a little bit like trying to do too much in too short amount of time. Not to mention, he called Dana White a philosopher in the middle of that intro. I have no idea what a philosopher would mean in terms of Dana White because I'm not sure what he's philosophizing about at any point in time. Uh, he's truly just speaking his mind when he talks to the media. Uh, but to me, this is maybe Howie calling Dana White a conspiracy theorist because he's willing to speak out against all the BS from the mainstream media and also our government. Again, I might be way off base, uh, but you saw Dana do something he doesn't normally do, and that is get right up in the middle of an interview that he has already committed to. Uh, he already said that he only likes to do podcasts because there's no gotcha moment. So maybe at this point in time, he thought there was going to be some type of a gotcha moment. Uh, my two cents there. Anyways, uh, I was very excited that I had the opportunity to speak with Dana White last week on Radio Row, one of only three interviews granted. Uh, he knows I'm not going to pull any gotcha moments on him. Uh, too much respect for him to do that. But also, I had the opportunity to sit down with someone else that I really, really love working with, and that is UFC Hall of Famer Michael Bisping. This week, he's got a big assignment on his hands. He'll be doing color commentary alongside John Anik and also Joe Rogan at UFC 298 in Anaheim. So, again, I work with Bisping on a regular basis in UFC and also Power Slap. He is always a delight to be around. This opportunity to sit down, absolutely no different. So, take a listen. And I am joined by none other than one of my favorite people. Oh. He, you, you've never heard that one before. <laughs> the I lies have to, have started already, I have to already, butter Charlotte. you up a little bit before my we word. get to, to chatting. Uh, one of my colleagues, Michael yes. Bisping. Well, thank you, Charlie. That's yeah. very nice. As I say, you don't have to lie. You don't have to go that deep. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's great to talk to you, What if I you, told Michael. you that I love your new glasses? Oh, well, thank you very much. I don't know if you know this, but I'm blind in one eye. And yeah. I have astigmatism in my other eye. Oh. So the contact lens is always moving. So everything always I have goes an astigmatism blurry. as well. So I'm always sticking my finger every 30 seconds in my eye yeah. to straighten so it. So the glasses are helping you to not have to worry about that? Well, it's all about not introducing bacteria into the single eyeball that I have. That's smart. So I've started putting glasses on, and I didn't plan on it today, but I've got them on. It would be hard for you to call the fights if you went blind in both eyes. It'd be hard. It would be. Have you seen me pull my eyeball out? No, I you, haven't. Do you want to see it? I can't. Yeah. yeah. Do we need... Oh, oh. Boom. You're joking. I'm not joking. Well, let me take... <laughs> holy crap. So it's not even a full ball. It's just the, the cover. Look at that. Wow. Happy Halloween, everybody. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. I so, was not expecting so, so this. So now you've got to make jokes about me wearing glasses. It's like... No. I'm not, not wearing them for a statement, okay? I am... I'm a victim here. You are a victim. And I'm getting made fun of. This is bullying at its, at yeah, its finest. Yeah, yeah. Did it's you, good. you didn't think it would be coming from me. I or did, you did, actually. I did. I expected you did. it. I should have known better. No. 
It's okay. great to talk to you, Charlie. Great to talk to you. So, uh, slop we just, was awesome, slop, wasn't it? Incredible. Yeah, First one is. outside of the Apex. Yes, I imagine I know. there'll be plenty more in that I you hope know, so. same regard because it was a smashing success. Tons of A-listers in the crowd. Uh, the hype was real. People yep. were so into it as they usually are. And uh, I, I, I think the next one's in a few months, so they're not yeah. wasting any time. Listen, slop's amazing because, listen, you see all the criticism online. It's of like, course. All you got to do is come to a live event. It's the best atmosphere that you'll ever see. I mean, it is wild. People have such a fun time. Now, listen, these guys that take part in it, they know what they're getting involved in. And when you learn about their backstories and why they're doing this, you can't help but understand it. Like Cole Young. Cole Young, I mean, he has a son that might not be around too much longer. He has a very, very nasty uh, sickness, a disease, and you yeah. know, the, the prognosis isn't good. This allows him to not be working so he can spend more time at home, you know, loving and caring for his child. When you hear these kind of backstories and some of the adversity that they've had in life, this is life-changing to them. They're making a lot of money, so people criticize all you want, but it was around before Power Slap. It was all over the world, so at least now they're getting tested medically beforehand. Yeah. It's in the safest possible way, and they're making real money. Well, and uh, Dana White was just telling me earlier this week that it's being sanctioned in several other states yeah. now shortly. So, I mean, this is not this is not the end. It's, it's really just the beginning. But you know what? We heard this when the UFC started to take off. Yes. This is before your time, Charlie. You know? You know, a young, young buck over here. Young buck over there, old granddad over here. Um, they used to call it human cockfighting. <laughs> it was banned. It wasn't allowed on TV. Okay, and now look at it. One of, of the course. biggest sports. And of course, this weekend, we've got UFC 298, which is a tremendous fight card. Excited to be commentating that. I mean, we've got Alexander the Great Volkanovsky taking on Ilya Taporia, a man that's undefeated from Spain, taking on an Australian. This truly is a worldwide phenomenon now. What do you expect to see in that main event? I don't know. I really don't. Taporia's undefeated. Volkanovsky's incredible. I mean, he incredible. was a pound-for-pound number one on the planet for a while. He's coming back after the knockout from Islam Mahachev. So... You know, is that the beginning of the end? Or is that just going to, like, reignite the flames? You Do know? you see this going the distance? Or are you anticipating a knockout? I don't think so. Ilya Taporia says he's going to knock him out in round one, right? That would be something. I don't see that happening. He's speaking like a true undefeated fighter. When you're undefeated, you feel that. You think you can go out there and take on the world and beat everybody. However, his very last fight was one of the only two decisions that he had against Josh Emmett, who's a tremendous fighter. But if you can't knock out Josh Emmett, I don't think you're going to knock out Alexander Volkanovsky. Now, you got to put it into the universe, though, right? MMA Might as well. doesn't stack up, and I'm not the smartest guy. Even if it did stack up, I'd get it wrong. You know what I mean? But who knows? It's mixed martial arts, and that's why this sport is so tremendous. Who you know else is I mean? calling the fights with you that, that I do believe deal? myself, Joe Rogan, and the great John Annick. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Is there a uh, cast that you most prefer to call the fights with? Are people you feel the most comfortable with who you feel like <laughs> compliment you the best? Well, you know, I mean, that's a catch-22. Yeah, you can't answer that, but I thought I, I, no, would, I, I would throw I it can. out there. Do you know what I find great about the the assembly of different commentators that we have is that everybody brings a certain different skill to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the deep analysis of a Dominic Cruz. You have the jovial banter of a Daniel Cormier. Obviously, the wealth of experience that Laura Sanko brings to the table. John Anik is amazing and Brendan Fitzgerald is a nerd. You put it all together. <laughs> you've got everything you want. By the way, Brendan Fitzgerald is awesome. I'm joking. Great, I'm, yeah. I'm always teasing. Um, okay. Uh, anything else that you feel like you've really... these 
I mean, because you joined the desk team how many years ago? Oof, I think it was 2012. Okay, so it's been quite a while. It has. When you look back at when you started, because that's not an easy job. No. Nope. A lot of people think that just because you have the background, yep. it should just be like this. It's true. It's actually very tricky to have the timing down, to know when to insert yourself. To I'm still trying to figure it out. Know when to play off other people. Was there a point when you were like, okay, I'm actually getting the hang of this, or this is beginning to feel much different than it did when I started out? Yeah, I mean... It's certainly harder than what it looks. I remember when the UFC signed with Fox in 2011 and we started to go mainstream, if you will. They started having the desk shows, the pre-fight show, the post-show, etc. And I would sit at home and I would criticize. Like, oh, my God, these guys, they suck. They're so bad. What are they saying? They're terrible. And then finally, I got to go. And then when you're sitting in the Fox studios and it's a very intimidating place, yeah. when you've got no media training whatsoever, you're like... Uh, 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 yeah. They're like, yeah, Michael, it's your turn to speak. And you're like, so it's a lot harder. Um, but I'm very lucky because the people at Fox Sports, ESPN, of course, the UFC, um, you know, they kind of nurtured me along over yeah. the years. You know, considering, check this out, when I was on The Ultimate Fighter in 2005, they would subtitle me. No. Yeah. Your accent was that thick. My accent was that thick. They used to subtitle me. And now I'm coming That's amazing. I, and then when I started at Fox Sports, uh, they were like, they pulled me to one side afterwards. They're like, Michael, love the energy. Love the energy. We love it. <laughs> but we can't understand And we you. think we love what you're saying, but you're talking very fast. And we don't understand you half of the time. So they wanted to send me to speech therapy. Yeah. You know. My mother's a speech therapist. Oh. She could have, she could have helped you. Let's Still can. I, I need help. It's, it's a work in progress, Charlie. Okay. Well, you're doing a great job. Well, thank you very I always, much. I always enjoy working with you, oh. whether it's UFC, whether yeah. it's SLAP. Uh, and I look forward to working with you for a long time to come. Is that a really polite way of telling me that, to leave and that, that this interview That was done? my polite way of telling wow. you to get the hell out of here. Wow. And that I might or might not be sorry for making fun of your your glasses well, and, your, you and your partial blindness. I'll tell you this. It's a real disability. <laughs> you know. But I'll tell you what. It Do you get a in, handicap sticker on your car? I don't. But it comes in very handy because I've always been kind of clumsy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just blame it and on And now the anytime anything happens, I'm, like, I'm blinding the eye. Sorry. When I would have done it anyway. But I guarantee I'll be the only one that pulls an eyeball out I, today. I think you will be the only interview I ever do in my life that pulls their eyeball out in the midst of the interview. And if not, then I don't even know what's happened to my career. Are you saying that I'm the highlight of your life? You, uh, so far, yes. I mean, there you go. We uh, have to end on that note. That is the best compliment I could ever possibly pay you. Well, thank you, Charlie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to work with you and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Uh, Bisping obviously going to kill it at 298 in Anaheim. That's going to be a fun event. Uh, Volkanovsky, Teporia, the main event there. Uh, also, can we talk about how he took his eye out? I, I've never had someone take their eye out around me. It actually wasn't as gross as I thought it would be. It was, I, I thought that was going to be like an actual ball that came out of his eye, and it was just the, like the, the cover of the eye, I suppose you would call it. Um, but I guess that's a new experience that I'm grateful to have, right? You want to experience everything once in life, I suppose. So there you have it. Um, okay, let's move forward, because all eyes are not only on UFC 298 this weekend, but also... Uh, now that football season is officially in the rearview mirror, we're looking forward to the NFL draft, which is coming up starting April 25th in Detroit, Michigan. So last week on Radio Row, again, such an amazing experience, walking around, seeing all different types of people at all different times. 
You never knew who you were going to see. But I had a chance to run into and catch up with my buddy, Clay Harbor, to get his thoughts on the NFL's next biggest event. Watch. We finally meet in person, Clay Harbor. In- a couple reality TV episodes, and that's people what people are know obsessed with the, the Bachelor and Bachelorette, though. So we, we do know that. And I just have to, you know, talk about injuries because you talked about breaking your wrist on the show. Yeah. I heard you just tore your tricep. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, getting old is tough. I'm 37 now, and you know, you know, having drinks at that age it was my buddy's going away party. We had a couple drinks. Next thing you know, I'm stretching, Charlie. I'm literally stretching in the sauna, and I tear my tricep. Like, that doesn't even make sense for a guy that's fit and active, played football. I get it's it. Awful. You know, I, getting old, it, it it sucks. Yeah. Well, you're you're not there yet, but once you get once you get up here to 37. Just be careful, making quick movements, uh, picking up things sneezing, from the ground, coughing, you coughing, know, sneezing. If you slam on your brakes too hard when you're driving, just simple things will will result in they'll, injuries. They'll really throw you out of whack. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit of football. Yeah, let's do it. Super Bowl behind us. Yeah. And now we look forward to the draft. Absolutely. The Bears yeah. have the number one pick, but. The idea is that they might hold on to Justin Fields, yeah. and in that case, maybe trade down in the draft. But I don't know. With the little bit of insider perspective that you have, what do you think is ultimately going to happen? Or do you do you see any other type of moves happening at the top? You know, I was recently out at the Senior Bowl and talking to NFL personnel men and media members that I trust and believe and know that they are very connected. The feeling is that the Bears are going to draft a quarterback. They are they are open to listening to offers and listening to whatever happens to see if somebody comes with some crazy, crazy offer, they're going to listen. But all the NFL personnel men, all the media members that I believe and trust and know that they're connected think that they are taking Caleb Williams. But there still is the opportunity if there is a big enough price that somebody pays that they could trade down, keep Justin Fields, or maybe even draft Drake May. Okay, so okay, so Drake May being, I guess, what a bit of a dark horse if, if that's the case. Absolutely, Drake May. Here's the thing: at the NFL Combine, I expect Caleb Williams. He's listed as six one at USC. He ain't six one. He's like that guy on his his hinge bio. <laughs> if you're swiping Charlie, whatever that you see, he says he's he says he's six foot, but he's really five ten. Caleb Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams is really five eleven. Okay, so when he gets measured, they're gonna see he's five eleven. But Drake May is a legit six four. He's a big dude. He can run. He's only 21. He's a redshirt junior. He had a good year. He's more mobile than people give him credit for. He's got a laser, laser rocket arm, as Peyton Manning used to say. And the guy can just sling the rock. But personally, me, if I'm Ryan Poles, let me put my Ryan Poles hat on, I'm trading the pick. You're going to get, you could trade yeah. down to Washington. Cliff Kingsbury is literally the offensive coordinator at Washington, and he is a guy that worked with Caleb Williams. If somebody knows how to get, the most out of Caleb Williams it is Cliff Kingsbury. He knows him on a personal level. If he goes that coach, they don't need scouts. They don't need offensive coordinator. They go to him and say, okay, is this the guy? And if Cliff Kingsbury says, yes, we got to get Caleb Williams, then you go and get him. And you, so then the Bears trade back to Washington. You'll get two at least. The starting point is two first-round picks. That's a starting point and a player. So they would be silly to not do that Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Are they sold on Justin Fields? Do they really think that he's the answer for the future? Because so far, 
I don't think they've really seen so many dividends from him. No, but he has improved. And if you look at the last season, the second half of the season, he really improved. And I was never sold until I saw that, okay, this is improvement. And now why would you get rid of the guy right when you've invested so much into him and improvement? And you can trade this down. You can probably get four first-round picks and several other pieces on your roster. You can get Marvin Harrison Jr., pair him with DJ Moore, build all across the rest of your roster, get in a couple other players. And people are talking about the, the quarterback clock. You're going to have two to three first-round picks in your roster. You're going to come out on top money-wise because instead of having to go get these players in free agency, you can get them in the draft. And now they're on rookie contracts for four to five years. And so the money aspect with these four players, these four first-round picks you can get versus the one quarterback restarting the quarterback clock with Justin Fields, you're coming out well on top in the money aspect as far as if you keep Justin Fields and trade the first pick and get a haul back for it. Okay, any other kind of unexpected moves you expect to see in the draft this year? I think I think it's there's a lot of teams in the mid-range that need quarterbacks, right? You got like Oakland, not Oakland anymore. I'm sorry, Las Vegas. We're literally we're in Las Vegas. Yeah. So the Vegas, they need a quarterback, but they're back at 12 in the draft order. So what are they going to do? Yeah. There there's some teams that might mortgage a lot of their franchise to try to come up and grab a quarterback. So that's something you're going to see. The Giants, you know, are they set with Danny Dimes? They're not close enough to really draft. So there's a, there's a lot of teams that are going to try to put together some packages and really move up. And when they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks at the Combine, I mean, there's there's no rules here. They're, they can mortgage their entire draft and maybe some of next year's draft to try to get that quarterback. And that's how good these quarterbacks are this year. There's going to be some crazy offers out there for some of these guys on these teams. Yeah, well, you know, the draft, it's always all about the quarterback. So I'm Absolutely. excited to see what happens this year. Yeah, no, me too. And obviously being a Bears guy covering the Bears, and we, we have that first pick, and, especially, and we do have a good quarterback right now. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always going to be fun. Well, yeah. I'm so happy to have finally met you. And uh, until we meet again. Until we meet again, and uh, now I know, you know, you got now. that 6'5 personality, but you're 5'2 yep, in person, yep. but great to meet you, Charlie. Thank you so much. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Yes, much taller, much shorter than both of us realized in person. Uh, glad to have met Clay Harbor in person for the first time uh, after only doing Zoom correspondence for, you know, the better part of the last uh several months. Anyways, uh, that is going to do it. Uh, I believe that wraps up all of the interviews that I got on Radio Row. Again, wonderful experience. Uh, who knows where I'll be next? Well, I know where I'm going to be next. I'm going to be in Colorado, but that's not for a work capacity unless, you know, something crazy happens on the top of a mountain and I have to bring you breaking news, uh, which of course I will do because I am the most professional journalist in the world. Um, okay, before I let you go, I want to let you in on a little something something because we are excited to drop episode two of Maintaining with Tyrus. This episode's special guest is Jordan Belfort, the man you all know who is behind the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, this episode drops 9 a.m. Sunday the 18th, and as you will hear, it's not just the guests who tell all in Tyrus's new show, it's also... Tyrus. No, I wrote my first book. Let me ask you a question, because I went through the whole thing, like, because when you hear how they break it down, I couldn't do chapter one to chapter three. It's, it's difficult. Fuck no. Like, I would just write random things, like, just 
all over the place and then had to put this jigsaw puzzle together. Right. Then you finally get it together. And I gave it to the publishers. About two weeks before the book came out, I got the finished copy and I started reading it and I freaked out and I called <laughs> books off. I didn't want to share this much. I didn't realize you caught me on some bad days. <laughs> I wrote some stuff that I'm not comfortable brutal with. Brutal honesty. Yeah. yeah. Brutal honesty talking about yourself. And they're like, well, it's too late. <laughs> the copies yeah. are in the bookstores. Yeah. And, I, and my writing coach, a guy named Chris, was like, this is common. You're going to feel, you know, one of those happy guys. Like, yeah. That, like, I was like, fuck that. Just... I don't want the book out. Did right. you go through any of that with your first book? Like, you wrote it and you're like, oh, you know what? Not till 10 years later. But it's like, so because the time I wrote the book, like, I lost everything. Right. Right. And so I, I had nothing to lose. I was just brutal honesty, putting it all out there. I read the book that 10 years later. I'm like, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe. Like, today, I'd probably be a little bit more careful. Right. Like, I'd say things about myself. But, you know, I think that that served me well. That's what makes you so like me. Yeah. Okay, The Man Behind the Wolf of Wall Street. Episode drops 9 a.m. on Sunday the 18th on Outkick.com. Get ready for it, everybody. It's going to be a good one. And I may or may not be a future guest on the show. That's all I'll say. I'll leave you with that. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. It has been wonderful being back in New York City with you next Tuesday. So watch out for that. Everybody, have a great day. Follow me on social media at Charlie on TV, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye.